Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is when we get together to review the AEW Collision Show here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show podcast, whether you're on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast application. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, you want to look, why, why are you, uh, Warren, what's going on? You're usually so laid back, not as excited, not as like, you know, completely in your face. Well, listen, I've had a very uh, busy morning and uh, you know, I'm doing the most Canadian thing right now. If you're watching the video, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. If not, like I'm, I've, I've been having Tim Hortons coffee today, uh, which is, uh, you know, elevated uh, just about every uh, just about every chemical in my body and I can feel it to the tips of my fingers. So, uh, you know, it'll make for some interesting content. It'll make for, uh, <laughs> probably, hopefully, uh, and hopefully a good experience for you here, your fellow, uh, viewers, listeners, uh, of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Nice to have you. Hope you're all having a wonderful weekend. Uh, and I appreciate you once again, allowing me to regale you with some, uh, some thoughts. Uh, regarding AEW Collision, um, hey, and if you're listening to this on YouTube, well, you know the drill. Likes, subscriptions help out a great deal. So do reviews and ratings over on the podcast side of things if you're listening to this on your favorite audio uh, podcast device. Uh, those things are just fantastic. They help out a great deal, and I appreciate you uh, very much for helping me out here, for just showing a little love. Um, and we're going to get right to it here. We're going to get right into... AW's collision. We're recording this on September 10. We always record this the day after this being uh and the day after of September 9, right? That's 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 how things go. <laughs> that's how numbers work. Uh so this is the uh, collision that we're going to be talking about, the one that uh, occurred uh at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse over in Cleveland, Ohio. Now listen, a lot of people were worried that this would not feel like a collision, you know, because because for some reason, uh, you know, everything was going to fall apart with the firing of CM Punk. Uh, I think most level-headed individuals out there um, would uh, absolutely did not adhere to that type of, of, of rhetoric. Uh, and uh, as it stands right now, at least one full week out, right? Because let's not forget, um, collision last week happened legitimately on the heels of the firing. This has been like, a, there's, it's actually been a full week since Tony Khan announced that CM Punk was fired. So this was, I guess you could say this was the first fully fledged CM Punk free, like completely, uh, completely free from under the shadow kind of thing for a show. Uh, this week that we got so uh, interesting uh, interesting to think about it in that aspect but um, I I felt like collision felt what it usually is right I I, I didn't see a, a sudden tectonic shift in how the show was put together I still feel like it was very much uh, the collision that we had grown to enjoy overall uh, you know, I I, I think uh, you know I I think it's uh it's generally accepted that Collision does feel different from Dynamite, and I think that is important. It's important in you know making it into something that people will enjoy independently uh, and not feel they're just watching you know Dynamite two, which would be a mistake. Now, are we going to start throwing flowers here and saying 
Oh, collision will be fine. It will always be the exact same thing. There is no issues here. What are we doing? Like, no, we're going to give this time to grow, time to breathe. We're going to, the more we distance ourselves from, 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 uh, from the CM Punk stuff, then, you know, let's talk about this again in a month, in two months, maybe even in six months. We'll see how collision is doing. Uh, but as it stands out the gate, there's nothing here that made me uh, question what we were watching, whether whether it was a a, a different uh, a, 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 an entirely different show or not. I think there, there was a the, it, it, it stuck to the initial vision. It's still there. We'll see how it goes. Of course, as we all know, ratings wise, you know, we have entered as of last week. We have entered the. The, the 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 fall sports season with college ball and then the NFL you know right, later on of course um and uh you know a, a season that we are all expecting we, you know we had been talking about this for weeks in the lead up to collision even from the from the onset collision was announced we were talking about how collision was going to get trashed um massacred slaughtered eviscerated use whatever what yeah hyperbolic language you want this was a this was something that had to be anticipated and i know a lot of a lot of uh a lot of folks out there are rubbing their hands together and going ah you see cm punk leaves and look at the ratings it stinks i you know i'm just gonna i'm i'm gonna sit here and and, and let some stuff pass because we uh, you know I, I I think it was inevitable that this was going to happen, regardless of whether or not CM Punk was going to be there. And I think probably a lot of these people who are rubbing their hands together had the same discourse as I, saying, oh yeah, Collision's going to get slaughtered once College Ball starts. And then College Ball starts and they're like, ah, see, they fucked up because they let go of CM Punk. So, yeah. What you know? What whatever suits their 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 agenda, as opposed to just looking at facts, looking at things happening, and just uh, putting together analysis that just makes sense in what's going on. Personally, I would have really liked to see CM Punk still on the show and going through a week of college ball, couple of weeks. I really would have liked that. You know, but. Um, that's not going to be the case. And honestly, you know, when I say I would have liked that, it would have been like like by pure curiosity. I, I still stand by the fact that getting rid of Punk uh, was the best thing to do. I didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to humor me for an extra week just to make sure that that everyone understood that CM Punk or not, Collision was going to get destroyed in the ratings because it got destroyed in the ratings and it's going to continue getting destroyed in the ratings. And anyone who's going to make a big deal out of that and point and laugh is just doesn't follow the business and doesn't is not able to have to make critical thought again based on observable facts and analysis. That's all. Um, so yeah, so you know I, we're fully expecting collision to get trounced again. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is you know the the I'm sure I'm convinced actually that. You know, TNT and AEW came into this agreement, Warner, I should say, Warner Bros. Discovery. They all came into this agreement knowing that during the during the sports season, Collision would not have these tremendous ratings. 
Um, I'm convinced that that was a thing. But, uh, you know, moving forward, um, but, you know, uh, moving forward, I would assume that, I would hope, I should say, that Tony Khan will not lose interest in collision as he has done with his other televisual endeavors, wrestling-related television endeavors. You know, like Rampage was never supposed to be a B show. Now, I, it's a C show. Uh, you know, Elevation and Dark Elevation. Well, you know, those sort of just became like, you know, throw things together and just make content kind of. They became content factories over anything else. So, where, where, whereas these shows all were debuted with a very different premise and a de very different vision, hopefully, you know, Tony doesn't lose interest because the ratings aren't performing as well. Or maybe he feels sad <laughs> because he had to fire CM Punk. You know, I, I, look, this is, all, this is all I hope for because right now the show feels very much the same. So as I said, Cleveland Rocket Field Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, um, three thousand one hundred and eighty-eight distributed for a setup of five thousand four hundred and seven tickets. Listen, um, this show. Here I am smacking my microphone around while my microphone hasn't done anything wrong. I apologize. No, I apologize to everyone. You know. I don't want to be perceived as a microphone beater. This show and this review, actually, is going to be under the theme of let's sell tickets. Let's move tickets. Um, if you listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show or the Dynamite review, one of the things that I often speak about, and I think we've even spoken about it here on the Collision Review a few times, um, the, the something we bring up fairly often is how... Ticket sales aren't going all that great for AEW. It's not necessarily fantastic. We're in a median, you know. I'm, I, you know, I try to bring the information, cursory information, just like, well, look, this is what's happening. This is the, you know, the average. Are we performing within the average, above, below? And the average, well, it, it isn't fantastic when you realize that they're, um, that they're, uh, 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 uh putting together shows, putting on wrestling shows in, in, larger arenas, you know, with large capacities, NBA arenas, hockey uh, arenas, you know, it's this, you know, it's not a great look when you're entering, let's say, a 15,000, 17,000 seat building and you can barely put 5,000 people in it. That's not necessarily great and does not, of course, there's the revenue attached to it, which is really crucial, but, uh, but is also, it, it, it's also very, um, it, 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 it's not, it, it's never a great look for your live television if you can't like pan into an arena and then see, you know, a full capacity place. You'll notice AEW hasn't been doing a lot of that recently, these, you know, these arena pans, because, you know, um, uh, because uh, 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 the hard cam side, is usually very empty and you know they're 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 tarping off the upper sections like it's it's not it's not great and we we can't sit here 
we can sit here and talk about Wembley as much as we want and how great of a success it was. But I guess what the domestic market, there you go, that's what I was looking for. The domestic market is not looking good. You know, even the Canadian shows didn't, when they were on tour a few months ago, it didn't draw all that great. Uh, I don't know how great AEW is going to do in Montreal in a couple of weeks uh, when they come here at the uh, start of December. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, it's kind of the constant right now in North America. WWE is doing fantastic business. Like their live gates are impressive and they're, you know, we're talking 85% uh, capacity and up on their shows, generally speaking. That's a, I, I don't have a source. That's just like a, looking at the numbers, looking at the the the, the data provided by WrestleTix. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I didn't do the exact math, but, you know, I feel confident saying 85% and higher for all their shows, TV tapings, PLEs, whatever you want. You know, it's like AEW right now is a far cry from that. And you're looking at, what, at what's happening over the next few weeks. You know, next week we're at the Heritage Bank Center, Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean, this is Mox's hometown, right? This... This is Mox's home. We have, according to WrestleTix, of course, we haven't even we haven't even passed the two thousand tickets distributed threshold yet, which is ridiculous. You think Collision's doing better? State College, Pennsylvania, two thousand four hundred and twenty-seven. That's uh, that's not great either. Again, not a big market to begin with, but not fantastic either. And of course, the big talking point right now is Arthur Ashe. Which we're barely at 5,000 tickets distributed. I mean, none of this is good, folks. You know, we, we, we can't sit here and, 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 and put our, our heads in the sand and say, yeah, this is great, because it's not. So tonight, last night, I should say, on Collision, when I was watching it, I, you know, I felt a company that was telling its audience, go buy tickets. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, Wrestle Dream, right? 2,538 tickets sold. Climate Pledge Arena. 18,300 seat capacity arena. We haven't even cracked 3,000 yet. The place is set up for 6,427, again, according to WrestleTix. And this is all according to data that I have right now as I record this um, uh, early afternoon on Sunday. And this is, this is not good. None of this is good. We've got another sub-2000 show, a dynamite, Broomfield, Colorado. We're going to Grand Rapids, Michigan. 2,101 tickets distributed. Like these are, don't kid yourselves. These are not good numbers. And I think, look, with what I saw tonight, I would not be surprised that this becomes the strategy moving forward. That Tony Khan stops doing the last-minute booking stuff. That he focuses on driving some stuff, uh, driving uh, interest into uh, shows 
to purchasing tickets for shows down the road by creating a, creating more opportune matches, more interesting stuff to get people to 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 buy a ticket, to go out and buy a ticket. That's just how I that's just how I see it. And you know, there's a lot of people who say, "Oh, well, Warren, you know, the ticket prices are so expensive. They're much more expensive. That's why people aren't buying tickets." Well, I have a tendency to disagree with that. Cuz I I I'm the kind of guy who's like, "Look, if you have a if you have a good product, you have a hot product, you, whether it's a it, it, whether it's a, a a music act, a feature film, a Broadway production, or a wrestling show. If you have a good product, that is getting people excited to go see it, they will pay whatever amounts of money they want. And you can just look at WWE. You know, WWE product is super hot right now and people are willing to pay exorbitant amounts of money to go see a show. Why? Because by positioning yourself as such and having a premium ticket price, well, there's something that goes along with that and then people go, well, this is... Yeah, this is fantastic kind of thing you know i'm gonna i you know i let, let's go see the, the the big time show despite the fact that the product in itself as far as wwe goes right the wrestling show in about itself is tremendously boring i don't know why people pay so much money to go see a taping of friday night smackdown or monday night raw i i don't understand why people pay so much money for such a bog average sometimes boring, oftentimes frustrating television show. I really don't. Again, that's just me. So, you know, AEW right now, I if they were putting on a hot product, this is the point I'm trying to make, I don't think they would have an issue filling it up. That's why... You know, last year for uh, for Arthur Ashe, let me just pull up the number to make sure. Um, last year at Arthur Ashe, AEW was um, Arthur. I can spell. <laughs> uh, last year at Arthur Ashe, uh, they did thirteen thousand tickets. Of course, on the their debut, they practically sold the place out. And last year, they were still able to manage to do. 13,000 because the sh the product felt hotter than it does than it does this year. And this despite the fact that apparently this the MJF Adam Cole angle is hot 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 hot. And if it was that hot it should be translating into into tickets. I understand they're doing great ratings. They're they're popping the ratings as they, as we like to say. But it's not translating into ticket sales. It's not putting the proverbial butts in seats. And what is putting butts in seats? I couldn't tell you. Right now, I don't know. But if we go back in time and we look at the at at the at the past of AEW, when AEW was focused on putting on fantastic wrestling shows with great matches. Week in, week out, they did much better business than what they're doing right now. This might also be a conversation that might that could all be for moot. This could all be a very moot conversation very, very soon. As AEW enters 
its phase where it's going to start getting guaranteed money. And we've talked about this as well on the podcast in the past. Just to reiterate very briefly, the advantage, you know, the pro, one of the pros, one of the pros of getting guaranteed money is that you don't have to worry as much about ticket sales for your revenue. That is absolutely a, 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 a pro. But it is also a con. It is also a con to not have to worry about ticket sales since you have guaranteed money. Because what is the reflex then that happens? What happens then? Well, you're less concerned about your week to week and you're creative. And we've seen this with, we have precedent. <laughs> we have precedent of another company resting on its laurels because, well, because it's got billions of dollars just popping into their pockets through a, uh, through a rights deal. So AW is positioning itself to get the big rights deal. We've seen a whole bunch of articles and talk about its valuation these days. I'm going to steer clear from that. I, I don't want to start that debate up and uh, I really don't have anything to contribute really. I just, I want to see the end product at this point in that regard. But, uh, you know, it, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword is what I'm trying to say when it comes to, uh, when it comes to getting a big money deal. Like on one hand, you don't have to worry about putting people in seats, but on the other hand, you also don't have to worry about putting people in seats. So I've, I, I you know, I've been one of the first, it, when we started talking about, you know, the potential sale like months ago, not the potential sale, but the rights deal, at, during the time of the upfronts, I was one of the first to talk about how worrisome it is okay to be, how anxious you can be in regards to AEW getting a big money deal and having anxiety regarding how it's going to affect the creative because we have an example of how Big money licensing deals have affected the creative of another company. We've seen, we have that precedent. So. so in the meantime, AEW is still here going, we want you to buy tickets. Come see our shows. Here are the tickets you need. To, come see our shows. Come buy tickets. This is, this is what you need to do. Let's get on with the show. AEW International title match kicked things off. The debut of uh, the collision debut of John Moxley successfully defending his title against Action Andretti. Um, there would not have been a John Moxley for a while on Collision had CM Punk still been around. And look, I you cannot blame Tony Khan for bringing John Moxley in on the first like true CM Punkless episode. Top guy in the company. Everyone likes him. And I thought this was a fine little match where Andretti actually started healing it up here in the match, right? We're, we're, we're in Ohio. Moxley came out with a Buckeye Combat Club uh, shirt, you know. Uh, it's his home state. 
And and Andretti was healing it up because the the Ohio crowd wasn't going to boo John Moxley. Now I don't know how much this was by design, but I really feel like I felt like during this match, Moxley was calling a lot of audibles. And I look, I know there are some people there are some people in pro wrestling analysis who watch a wrestling match and they are able to pick up, you know. Whenever someone is making calls or, oh, they're talking about this. Oh, he said that. And I, I don't know how they do it. I'm there and I'm listening. I'm listening to commentary. I have the audio on and I'm listening. And then I'll listen to someone else's review. I'll listen to, I'll read someone else's breakdown of a show. And, and they'll be like, you could hear Mox saying, or you could hear John Cena saying, well, John Cena is a bad example because everyone hears fucking John Cena talk. And I'm like, how do they hear this stuff? You know, it's like botchamania. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't know how Matthew does it. He, he has the, you know, you, the you talk too much segment. I'm like, how did he, how the fuck did he pick that up? I don't understand it. And I feel, but like, I, I, I have, it's just because I saw Moxley talking a lot in this match and I couldn't make out what he was saying, but I saw him talking a lot and I feel like he was telling Andretti, look, brother, you have to heal this up here. And he was guiding him through it. Right? That's how I felt. Because I'm pretty sure this wasn't necessarily the call, but Moxley probably made the call in the ring. And because of this, because Andretti got a lot of offense in and Mox sold a lot for him, I feel that people are going to look at this and say, oh, Moxley gave up too much offense, making the jabron look better. You know, and of course, these people don't understand how pro wrestling works, right? If you're in front of a crowd and the crowd is is teetering one way, just, just go with the flow. How many years have we pulled our hair out at WWE's inflexibility to do this when a crowd is clearly turning on someone, but the wrestlers stay down the goddamn path, you know, you can't deviate from the script despite how nonsensical it is how many times have we pulled our hair out looking at these situations and saying why don't they just do the natural thing if only for this one match and do this we've got local babyface john moxley here who no matter what he does he's not going to he's not going to get any heel heat in this match people are going to support him It's going to be the same thing in Cincinnati, too. They put him up against Big Bill. But we're going to talk about this later. Do you think this is a mistake? Do you think, the, the, do you think it's because, you know, oh, it, it, suddenly this is the Big Bill babyface turn? No, let, let's not be stupid here. But yeah, no, I'm sure there's people out there who are bothered about this. But again, when you... When you've watched a lot of pro wrestling and you you pick up on this stuff and you're this is just normal and it makes a lot of sense and it's something they should do as opposed to trying to run the the original plan and I'm convinced Mox called a bunch of audibles and guided uh, Andretti through this because again I saw him talk a lot in this but anyway let's move on yeah Andretti in this match works Mox's leg over quite a bit you know kind of a heelish thing to do. I know the baby faces do that as well, but nonetheless. Um, 
Moxley lands a cutter, Andretti a falcon arrow, shotgun dropkick by Moxley and a tornillo by Andretti, who then does the head stomps to tremendous moves from the crown. Mox reverses, uh, but Mox reverses it all into a choke for the win. Fine opening match. Don't get me wrong, we're not, you know, it's not, it's not a world ender here. It's not a drop everything you're doing and go watch this type of situation, but a good opener, solid, strong, big win for, for Mox in front of his hometown, you know, all that good stuff. Wins his collision debut. This is planting a flag. This is saying, look, okay. The CM Punk, the dark cloud is gone. It has dissipated. Now, this is what we have here. Blue skies. People who seem motivated. A show that feels alive. This is what Collision felt like this week. Again, last week as well, but this week as well. As well, as well, as well, as well. We get a vignette diving into the lore of Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. Rod at the end says, um, you know what being alone, how being alone makes me feel. You, He's talking to Adam Cole directly, basically. Uh, you know what it does to me, but it's fine. It's totally fine because I'm going to go on and win the tournament, but I still won't be happy because I just want my friend back. So I'm not sure if this is comical. If I think that, like, if this is supposed to be funny now or sad or like, Sad like I feel bad for Roddy or sad as in man, this whole thing is just pathetic. <laughs> like I don't know how to position myself anymore in regards to the angle because we're going to get matches out of this. I like the one tonight that are going to rule and ultimately that's all that matters. But in the meantime, this build, I'm like, and I like Roderick Strong in this, in, in this position that he's in. But, you know, again, we have someone here saying... Yeah, you know what? The AEW title is secondary. Like, remove. Here's the thing. Like, this is the thing. Remove all of, remove the AEW world title from the Brochacho stuff, from the Rod, Roderick Strong stuff, from all of this situation. Remove the AEW world championship at this point. I'm not saying necessarily at first, but at this point. And ask me if it's still necessary. It's an it's an accessory to this feud here. You know, I, I've seen a lot of takes of people going, oh, the international title is now the, it's the title that feels the most important in, in, in AEW. And, it, it, you know, I think it's a, it, I think it's an argument that you can break apart. I think it's an argument that you can, that you can, uh, you know, we can, we can have a discussion about it. We can have a little debate about it. But, the, you know, I, 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 I can't fault them for saying that, I I kind of think that they're not wrong. If you're if you're out there saying the international title feels more important than the AEW title, I, I I can't blame you. I, I it makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, like I said, we could probably argue about it a little bit, but I don't think I'd argue all that hard <laughs> either to disprove your theory. And he, I will say this about the Eliminator tournament and whatnot, because you know by now we all know what. Well, I'll, I'll save it for later. I'll just make a note of it to make sure that I that I don't forget about it. Um, um, there we go. Just to make sure I don't forget, because it's the kind of thing I do. Oh, we'll talk about it later, and then I forget. Uh, Chris Statlander defeated Robin Renegade. 
uh, who who accepted the uh, who accepted a, an open challenge. Robin Renegade has a heat segment after eating a German suplex. Chris Statlander lands the blue thunder bomb. Renegade misses a kick and eats an electric chair gourd buster, which I still think is a vile as hell uh, move. It looks like it, it looks like it's shit to take. And uh, Statlander wins with a roll up. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I've talked about it very recently, and I said if I think if Chris Statlander relies more on her strength, you know, I her knees are are what they are, and you know she will not be able to high fly and do spectacular moves as much or even at all anymore if she wants to make sure to, that she has an extended career now in, in wrestling now that she, both of her knees are blown. Um, if she relies on her strikes and her strength, I think she will come off as a much more credible, uh, much more credible, more uh, com- um, uh, uh, consistent pro wrestler, where unless, as opposed to trying to do flips and shit like that. In this match with Robin Renegade, as short as it was, I thought she looked great. I, 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 I think it suits her to be a powerhouse, you know, strong, uh, a strong striking machine. I think it works for her. And the Renegade twins have come so far since what two years at this point. You know, they really started to come up as the pandemic was hitting, and then you know, and I was very low on them. But holy shit, did they put in the work? They put in the work big time. Both of them, Robin and Charlotte, they're both very good. And they're only going to keep improving, so that's great. Uh, After the match, the Renegades double-team Chris Statlander. And then Jade Cargill returns, does a run-in. The twins hold up uh, uh, Statlander. They offer her up to her. Hey, why don't you beat her up? But she takes out the Renegade twins, but also Chris Statlander. And then picks up her belt. I do say her belt. Because she picked it up. Kissed it. And she says, I love you so much. That's something that I picked up. I saw that. <laughs> um, tremendous. Uh, tremendous ovation for Jade returning. Uh, I was told Jade was done with AEW. I was told that. Oh, no, she's not coming back. I was told. I was told a whole bunch of shit. Now, I may not be the biggest fan of Jade's in-ring work, but look at this woman come out as opposed to anyone else on this show tonight. As opposed to anyone else on this program. Star. You see this woman come out the star. She comes into the ring, she gets reaction, star. The reaction she gets, she's a star. She does minimal shit. Big reaction, star, star, star. This is what you cannot take away from Jade Cargill. This is her biggest asset. And it's not even one where you can be where you can mitigate it. She is tremendous as far as a presence goes. And it's pro wrestling. We know that people, we know you can get real fucking far just off of charisma and presence in this business. We know this. So you know, I'm looking at him like, all right, this is good she's back. Because it, it is good she's back. 
and she doesn't seem to have Layla Gray hanging around. She has Mark Sterling back to boost her up and continue to be a very efficient mouthpiece for her. Uh, I, I think this is good. Look, I think she needed some time off for us to just wash away uh, 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 everything that had happened because I think there was fatigue that had set in. I think whatever plans Tony Khan had for her uh, back in 2022, I believe, the, you know, that that got all tossed around because of, you know, injuries and whatnot. I think, you know, whatever was stretched out, you know, she was all over the place. There was no focus in what she was doing. Now, if she comes back and we get a good focus program with her and, you know, she can... If all we do is go back to Jade squashing Jabrones week after week, and especially Jade winning back the title and going back to that, I, I, then I don't think that's interesting. But again, we'll just see how things develop here. I think she has more to offer on this roster than the opposite. And again, we're not going to tune in to watch Jade Cargill matches tear the house down. Not unless she's suddenly become this prodigy in the three months she's been gone. Renee's backstage with Saray and uh, Ruby Soho. They're all worried about Tony Storm. They hype up the four women match on Dynamite uh, this Wednesday. Tony Schiavone is having a sit-down mediated discussion between ROH world champion Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston, the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. I thought this was good, but if only because Eddie was just, Eddie was Eddie, right? You know, this this barking, angry Rottweiler that's just like, arf, 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 you know, he's just, oh, oh, Claudio being cool and composed. But you know what, Claudio, I, I found his bits in this promo were a little awkward, were a little stilted, and he had so little to say, you know? And that's the whole idea with this entire feud is that Claudio doesn't give... Eddie the time of day. He doesn't give a shit about Eddie Kingston, right? He's just like, mm. And Eddie's like, you son of a bitch. We have a history. We used to live together, you know. Oh, you do remember why you're pissed off at me. Oh, you do. You pretend, but you do, you know, and all of that. I thought this was good because Eddie is such a sharp contrast to, to Claudio here. Um... But the big story that comes out of this little exchange here is that Eddie Kingston is challenging Claudio to a winner-take-all Ring of Honor World Championship and New Japan Strong Openweight Championship match at um, at Arthur Ashe at Grand Slam. So what does Eddie do when he leaves? He says, you know, sell some damn tickets. See? Again, it's like, look, we're going to try and stack this New York zone, Eddie Kingston in a big time match. One which you can make a very good argument that he should win on top of it. Don't know what Claudio's plans are moving forward. And, you know, I, and then there's the usual weirdos. It's like, no, don't be else. Like, a, Jesus Christ, you know, who gives a shit? I don't care. I've never seen people care so much about the Ring of Honor World Championship to the point that they're annoyed to see it on AEW TV. I couldn't care less. And then New Japan getting some shine with their championship 
on AD. Like, isn't this all just fun? Isn't this cool, though? Mm. People are so fucking miserable. And then you have to put stuff like this together if you do want to try and sell tickets to your show, which is underperforming ticket-wise. It's not doing good, folks. This, look, and, and we're two weeks out, less than two weeks out at this point. And knowing Tony Khan's, you know, usual, usual, Tony Khan's usual booking patterns, he probably might have booked this the night before or, the, you know, the Saturday before. But he sees the writing on the wall. He knows how things are going right now. So we got to put butts in seats. And MJF ain't doing it right now with Adam Cole. That's not doing it for us right now. I don't know. Bullet Club Gold in a trios as opposed to the eight-man tag that we were supposed to do, uh, supposed to have, excuse me, Jay White uh, could not make it due to personal reasons. But the uh, remainder of Bullet Club Gold defeated Aerostar, Gravity, and Dios del Enframundo, which I believe translates into God of the Underworld, who is uh, the, the former Drago. Drago, 48-year-old Drago, AAA mainstay. I think he might have been a little excited to be in this match. I, you know, the the tag thing that was completely blown. <laughs> when, <laughs> they're like, okay, maybe he was just a little too excited. Maybe uh, too much Lucha rules. I don't know. It's not as if AEW tag team rules are all that stringent. I bless... I bless the rains down in Africa that Jim Ross was not on this call here for this one here because that's all he would have talked about not just for the rest of the match for the rest of the fucking show how the referee couldn't keep control of the guy and he was not the legal man or whatever anyway this is the former Drago right because now I believe AAA has a new Drago who is not this guy here, who is the, orig the original Drago, because he left in, uh, in July. Now he's known as the God of the Underworld. Eh, a fine little match. I mean, we're not going to get... But here again, AEW continues the great tradition. You know, AEW talks about the great their great traditions, the great traditions of the women's four-way matches and... But there is one great tradition that AEW does continue. That is the great tradition of WCW Nitro using luchadors to get the heavyweights over. Ah, you can't, you can't never, you can never really shake that off. Because look, there, AEW ha has access to some of the best luchadors in, 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 in the world right now. Vikingo, Commander, um, you know, well, Roosh is under under contract, but so on and so forth. You know, Aerostar didn't quite shine in this match, but he's very good. And and they're putting other guys over, you know, it's like. I mean, we're not look, I may be exaggerating, but 
we're seeing this more than the opposite. We're seeing luchadors lose on AEW programming more than we see them winning. Then again, you can absolutely tell me, you can be like, Warren, these guys aren't, you know, they're not, uh, they're not employed by the company. Why? And you're right. Don't get me wrong. Don't put guys over that you're, that you don't have under contract, right? But Commander, as far as I know, he's under contract. I, I, I don't know. The person formerly known as Lana, let's call her FKA Lana, is uh, has a pre-tape, a very good pre-tape, by the way. Going on about how Miro is, uh, you know, she was the first sacrifice on his road to redemption. She, how he let her down, and she wants to be the coldest manager in wrestling once again. FKA Lana, as uh, um, Tony Khan pointed out, does not have a long-term contract with AEW, but in this promo, FKA Lana clearly was trying to show her worth so that she can have a long-term contract with AEW. Then we get the acclaimed who plot out their route on their quote-unquote international tour, an international tour that had had one date in London, the rest all in the United States. Uh, again, why do you think they're doing this? And why do you think they put an emphasis on Arthur Ashe and this is where we won the titles? As well? Because they want people to go buy fucking tickets to the show. So again, under this, this, yet under this cloud of domestic sales aren't, aren't going well, we have to drive this home. I'm not, I have not been making this up week after week, folks. I've been telling you. And we're in the average, but it's, you know, it's not great, but we're in the average or we're a bit under average. Or we're showing, we have actual physical signs right now that AEW knows that their domestic ticket sales are in the dirt. Ray Phoenix defeated Angelico. Good little return match for Phoenix. Lends a disaster kick off the apron and a frog splash. And the Phoenix driver for the win. I, look, I don't know what more you want me to say. It was fine. Return match. People are excited to see him. Etc. Tony Schiavone is backstage with FTR. Who uh, set up an open challenge for the tag team titles. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. There are three active open challenges in AEW right now. Correct. Mo isn't Moxley doing an open challenge? I believe so. Um, Chris Statlander earlier this evening and now FTR. Come on now. <laughs> like, open challenges all across the board all the time. You know what I think this is? First, first of all, it's too much. It's too much and, and, you know, you put too many of one thing and they don't end up, nothing ends up feeling special, right? I, I I think that that that's essentially it. Now, is this a way? Let me rephrase that. I believe this is a way that Tony Khan wants to use to counteract all the bozos online who keep telling him, why is this match happening? Why does someone so get a title shot? What's the story? All this bullshit. I think this is to counteract those unimaginative, uh, bad faith bozos who keep pointing that out on Twitter. Tony Khan 
is constantly online. And I think he, there are things that people say that do get to him. And I think this is another example of people getting to him. People who have quote unquote large followings on Twitter who quote out, why is uh, so-and-so getting a, a ton of money? So this is the way for Tony to say, look, this is why I'm booking random matches because there's open challenges. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I could not care less than reasons for matches to happen all that much. When it comes to titles, you can also have non-title matches too. That's the thing. Now, if we had a ranking system, we could default to that, but we don't anymore. And I'm not, we're not going to harp on that. But this is, I think this is clearly a, 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 a band-aid that Tony Khan has put on this situation to keep people from, uh, to, to, to keep people, to have an excuse to say, well, to, to the bozos, well, it's an open challenge. But then you know what's going to happen is that the bozos are going to see through this too and they're going to be like, well, oh, there's still no booking consistency, an open challenge, that's just an excuse to book random matches. And they won't be wrong, that's the thing. It's like the original argument is silly. And it be, be, it's silly, mostly because it comes from people who don't watch the show. Mostly because... It comes from people who don't watch AEW or who have an anti-AEW agenda. So he's listening to the wrong people to begin with. Why are we always trying to please people who don't care about what you're doing, right? Why are you trying to 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 uh, 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 appeal to people who don't even watch your show? Do you think this is going to win them over? No, they're going to find more holes to poke into because that's what they do. You know, sometimes, and this is not just in in in, in wrestling. There's other stuff too. But sometimes when you're a fan of something, it's very frustrating to see the thing you're a fan of try to cater to people who are, I'm not going to even say critical, who are downright negative to what you're doing to try to please them while forgetting about your fans. And this is something that Tony has to be really, really careful about. Now, I understand that at the same time, he's in this position where he's like, we need growth. We need more butts and seats. What sh should I be trying out some other things? Are these, you know, random matches annoyances enough? Are, 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 these, are these annoyances preventing people from buying tickets to my show? And honestly, quite frankly, I do not believe that one person getting a random title match on an episode of Dynamite or Collision is reason enough for someone to not buy a ticket. I I don't I fail to see who is going to be like a oh, fuck this shit action Andretti. What has he ever done? Flips a table. I'm not buying any more tickets to AEW. Anyway, too many open challenges right now, so it's all going to be diluted. I don't like it. Then we had the uh, one of the two semifinals for the world title Grand Slam Elim Eliminator Tournament. Roderick Strong defeated Darby Allen. That ruled. This match ruled. There's no two ways to go about it. This was fantastic. Started off really smartly. And this is something that I really appreciated. This is something I really liked. Started off real smartly with Roderick Strong doing the backstage walk with the, with the Kingdom Boys. 
And we're and I'm like, oh, we're doing the big match feel thing here. All right, that's cool. And then they cut to Darby, who's skateboarding and doing the backstage walk, but he's skateboarding. And I'm like, all right, big, you know, big match feel. But Noah was to set up an angle with Luchasaurus, who grabs him, and and you know, Christian Cage is there, talks talks some shit, and then he gets lawn darted. He being Darby Allen gets lawn darted uh, into uh, into a. Uh, 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 a door thing, a gate. I'm like, okay. So it wasn't just like aesthetics. This had a reason to happen. So yeah, I liked it. I you know I thought this was good. And then of course this all puts over the fact that Darby was already injured. His back is uh, is screwed up, and uh, Nick Wayne is there to encourage him. Where was Nick Wayne though when this was happening? Was he already in Gorilla? I'm assuming. Anyway. Maybe that's a minor. Maybe that's my quibble. For this, where Darby gets assaulted backstage, Nick Wayne comes out with him, but Nick Wayne was not backstage walking with him at the very least. Like I said, maybe he was already in Gorilla because he was skateboarding. You know, Nick Wayne was like, "Ah, "You do your skateboard gimmick. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go wait for my cue in Gorilla." Anyway, Darby Allen needs a backbreaker. He gets throttled on the floor, even if he hits a suicide dive. Uh, Darby Allen reverses a backbreaker from Roderick Strong into a crucifix, lands a code red. Roderick Strong locks in an STF. And you know what I liked about this FTS, this STF spot? Is when Darby grabbed the ropes, Roderick Strong clearly and very snappily pulled back during the five count. As the referee starts to count him down, just like, yeah, the minute Darby got the ropes in. Because that, that means Strong was like, oh, I know he's going to reach the ropes. But when he does, I'm ready. And he just gives one last really massive torque. I like that. Little detail here. Um, tremendous spot where Storm Urinagi's Darby Allen on the top turnbuckle. Just a fantastic spot. Darby fights back, gets a stun dog millionaire on the apron and a coffin drop to the floor. AR Fox comes out. Nick Wayne is like, hey, buddy, what the hell are you doing here? Kind of thing. So they're really going down this road some more. Uh, back in the ring, Ricky, not Ricky, but Roderick Strong it lands a sick kick, a scorpion death drop by Allen. The kingdom interferes, which leads to some miscommunication on the floor by the baby faces where our AR Fox accidentally takes out Nick Wayne. Darby Allen coffin drops onto uh, Roderick Strong's knees and eats the end of heartache. Roderick Strong moves forward here. After the match, Nick Wayne and AR Fox jaw jack at each other. They're like, what are, you tra- what are you doing, pal? You know, wrestlers landing into other wrestlers' moves and, you know, never thinking that things can be accidents, that everything has a purpose. That everything is that everything is meaningful and that you're out to get them or they're out to you know the CM Punk vision of things. The slurp doesn't work as well with the let's do that again. We get a pre-tape from uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. He's with his book again, and he says the next chat, you know, talking about next chapters and whatnot. Look, some of these chapters are actually going to have to have something interesting happen in them. Is <laughs> right now your book is really boring, buddy. You know, so <laughs> something is going to have to happen. Uh, this is a guy that needs some wins. 
some serious wins and not just like I'm all for Hobbs coming out and squashing Jay Browns. Don't get me wrong, but at some point he's going to have to beat a Miro, you know, a, a, an established guy. Keith Lee is interviewed backstage and he plans to do things solo on Collision. Now I am the Collision, he says, and I advises everyone to run. Okie dokie. Brian Danielson comes out to the ring for a chat with Tony Schiavone. He says that uh, he told his daughter once she turned seven, he would start finishing up his career. She is currently six. Danielson has talked about this openly, I'd say months ago, right? This is not the first time he talks about, well, I'm going to start slowly wrapping up my career. Um, and he says he's a man that keeps his promises. So time is running out. But now, uh, of course, the audience doesn't like this, right? But now, you know, he says he's, you know, he's going to call his own shots and he will not go gently into that good night, quoting Dylan Thomas here. He even compares himself to Odysseus. This is, this is what happens when you read a book or two, folks. You can start dropping these awesome references that sound really, really compelling. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. this sounds, this sounds great. And then, and, and then you're like, this is another reason why I love Brian Danielson. This is right here. We're, we're quoting Dylan Thomas. You know, he's comparing himself to, uh, I don't remember, and this is like, I could be just blanking out and I should have researched this before, but I'm just thinking about it now. He talked about being tied to the mass to avoid the siren, the the the, the, the siren song, the call of the sirens. Was it Odysseus? Probably, right? I wouldn't see, I, I'm pretty sure Danielson would have got that right. Talking about the Cyclops and whatnot. But eventually, you know, Odysseus goes home after 20 years or so, goes home uh, to, uh, to marry his uh, his Penelope, been uh, waiting for her, waiting for him patiently, pushing off all suitors, right? And he comes back and he's old, and she's like, uh, she's like, you know, to determine who will who, who I'll you know who will take my hand, we will have a tournament, and uh, whoever can do you know an archery contest, and whoever wins the archery contest, something that you know, very Robin Hood like you know but whoever wins the the archery contest will get my uh will will win my hand in marriage and then odysseus is there he's 20 years older no one recognizes him because he's fucking 20 years older and he's disguised himself and whatnot and then he does the bow and arrow thing and and she recognizes him because of his technique and his impeccable style and she's like oh jesus it's the it's my guy he's back you know kind of thing so maybe there is something very romantic in that uh, in how you know in how Danielson perceives his career and with his family, with Bree and his kids. Maybe I'm thinking too much into this as well, but you know. <laughs> um Danielson, let's go let's go back to some wrestling now. And we have the now we got the literature part of the program done. <laughs> now that the highbrow stuff is out of the way. <laughs> let's get back to wrestling. If you think <laughs> If you think, uh, look, he's going to kick everyone's head in because if this is last year, he's going to make it epic is what he said. And, you know, of course, talking about Odysseus uh, and then making and then using the term epic is hand in hand. And he calls out Zack Sabre Jr. as an opponent for Wrestle Dream on October 1st. Again, see, we're, we have to start building this show. Wrestle Dream is October 1st. This is less than a month, folks. So already, so Tony is doing his usual pattern where he's going to give us one match to focus on and we'll probably have one or two that will be positioned as the top matches on the sh on the card uh, and 
Are you kidding me? Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr.? This is an absolute dream match. This is what everyone has been waiting for for a long fucking time. And we're going to get Zack Sabre Jr. in his prime right now. Uh, Zack is in his absolute physical, technical expertise prime. Incredible stuff. And a Danielson that just is a, well, like we like to say here on the show, the greatest North American wrestler to ever do it. So what do you want? This is going to be this is going to be great. And already, well, I you know my ticket is sold. I bought my ticket to wrestle to wrestle Dream. I'm good. Just on the strength off of the back of this match here, I'm fine with that. And then Ricky Starks interrupts. He comes to the ring. He says he's being a little overlooked again. Big Bill, by the way, is with him too. And he says, but after Sunday, you know, he feels he got everyone's attention. Now he's immortalized as the face of Collision. Yeah, good, good for you, Ricky. Do it. Take it. It's yours. Take it off the other guy. And uh, and uh, he's going to be the man that Danielson could have never could never be in his entire career. Danielson says, you know, Starks instead of coming out and you know jaw jacking, you should have been a little more patient because I, you know, I had something for you, you know, because as the BCC like to say, if you want to be with them, you have to bleed with them. And then he has a T-shirt and he starts pulling it out, but he never fully displays it because Big Bill attacks him. Clearly, he was offering he being Danielson was offering Ricky Starks a spot in the BCC, but we never got the to 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 that point. Because Big Bill goes after him, then Ricky Starks pulls him off, and he, and he sort of goes, "What are you doing?" And then he goes to beat up Danielson. So like, all right, look, I know I'll, probably a lot of people were like, "Oh, that would have been so cool," but Ricky really wasn't a fit for BCC. Let's be honest, he just wasn't a good fit. Uh, this brings out uh, John Moxley to stick up for Danielson, who gets laid out by Bill. This is going to lead to making an international title match on Wednesday. Well, in fact, we get a promo. Well, I, look, I like the segment. I thought this was a great segment. Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, Ricky Starks coming off as a star once again. Danielson, just uh, a beast. Uh, we're good. Uh, super effective. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine anyone believing that Ricky Starks got the bum end of a deal transitioning out of his program with CM Punk into one with Danielson and thinking Ricky Starks is the loser out of this, that he lost out of that. The match, the same match at All Out with CM Punk would not even been as remotely as memorable or legendary as it was against Danielson. Wouldn't even have come close would have been probably very good, don't get me wrong, but not as fantastic, not as brutal. The Ricky Starks, a winner in my book. A guy who, and again, this will be up to him, it'll be up to the guy with the pencil to make Ricky Starks a guy who benefits from the loss of CM Punk. Big Bill cuts a uh, backstage promo, about uh, you know the international title match that's going to happen on Wednesday, uh, Ray Ray Phoenix then pops in with uh, Alex Abrahantes and uh, uh, Pentel Zero Miedo, and um, he basically says, you know, hey, don't jump the line, pal. And Big Bill is like, well, get back, get to the back of the line. What are you going to do about it? You know, fair. 
And then we have the Grand Slam Elim Eliminator Tournament semifinal. The second one where Samoa Joe defeated Pental Zero, Zero Miedo. Strong finish to this episode of Collision. Um, where it was essentially Joe picking Penta apart, right? Uh, making sure, making sure he gets there. He gets as little offense in as possible. You know, Penta would mount multiple hope spots, but Joe would just like send them crashing down. And this is the era of Joe. You know, he's he's a methodical, thoughtful powerhouse of a heel, uh, and 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 he does it wonderfully. He's believable. It's great. His aura, his presence, his strength. So, you know, um, uh, we, we, we get some really good stuff here. Power slam by, by Joe in this as well. Super kick by uh, Penta and a PK as well. Manhattan drop and sent on by Joe. And, you know, uh, Penta kicks out his stuff and Joe's a little exacerbated. He's like, what's it going to take? Topican Hilo by Penta and Joe. And Joe spot of the show nopes a topicon hilo from penta who just flies through the air and crashes through a table that had been angled against the barricades i'm like jesus christ wow eventually penta taps out to the kakina clutch in the ring so our 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 our, our finals of the tournament going into grand slam are going to be samoa joe versus roderick sharp and this is what I made a note of that I wanted to talk about earlier is that as opposed to a lot of these slapdash tournaments that Tony Khan loves to do, um, we end up with two finalists where you can legitimately say this can go either way. There isn't one, just one guy who has beef with MJF at this point. You can argue that... Um, Roderick Strong has more beef with Adam Cole, and I can get behind that. But Adam Cole and MGF are such are are joined at the hip right now, so it all sort of blends together, right? Just like you can argue that Adam Cole has beef with Samoa Joe with the way he's been treating his best friend. But this can go either way, right? This can go either way at this point to forward any story that you want, and. It, there, like you can't sit here like we sometimes go and like, oh, well, he's going to be the clear winner. Or she's going to be the clear winner. There's no clear winner in this one here. And I like this level of intrigue. And I think this this was well booked because we're all going to tune in on Wednesday and we're going we're to remain surprised. If you're asking me, my gut feeling says Samoa Joe. That's my gut feeling. I think that's a bigger match for... Uh, for Arthur Ashe, especially if your idea is to sell tickets, goddammit, I think if the if the Brochacho stuff was such a hot angle that was putting butts in seats, I would probably say the opposite. The logical choice is uh, Roderick Strong because he's part of the story and that's the story people want. But you can legitimately go either way here. And I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer creatively i think that from a business standpoint joe makes more sense and regardless of whoever we get as an opponent for mjf at grand slam we're gonna get a great match that's also the payoff here we don't even have there's no compromise to be had had either so either way i think yeah the fans are the winners <laughs> in this situation we're going into dynamite this week 
with an expectation of a of an exciting, a fun, dynamic finals to the tournament with a result that could go either way. It really can. Creatively, it can go either way. Both make sense. And that's how your big matches should feel. That's how it should feel. It's kind of like how... It's kind of like with uh, Page and Swerve, like I talked about on the Collision review, uh, the Dynamite review this week, excuse me, uh, where you have two top guys going in, having a feud, and legitimately, you're like, I don't know who's, you know, there's feuds sometimes, you're like, oh, this is clearly designed for, and you could make an argument that this is, oh, well, it's it's designed to get Adam Page back on his feet and as a contender, but you can also argue that it's also one to help elevate Swerve, too. Like, both are possible at this point. That's that's what we need more of in AEW. These situations where you're like, hmm, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. There you go. We're going to wrap it up here for today. That's right. We're done. I'm hitting the bricks. Going to do some laundry. That exciting information you needed to... that That's that's the non-stop, exciting, high-octane life that Warren Hayes lives. Watches wrestling, talks about it, go does laundry. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for watching. If you haven't already, like, subscriptions, reviews, ratings, all that stuff helps out a great deal. I will be back Tuesday for a live recording of the Mr. Warren Hayes show as usual. Uh, uh, otherwise, available on demand on Wednesday. Uh, you know the drill and all of that. Uh, you know, I'm just saying that just in case you're new. And there's a lot of new people around here recently. So hello again. Still nice to see you. Glad to have you still around. Um, yeah, hope to uh, hope you all have a great end to your weekend if you're if you're listening to this on the Sunday. Or a great start to your week. We can do both. Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll just see you next time.